thank you again for having me back. Um, I am super humbled and I'm always thankful and honored that I get to pray the word of God, pray the message. And I just really want this morning for us to open our hearts. Um, I'm always praying that this message that the Lord has given will touch your heart or maybe even just have Holy Spirit put a face, right? Put somebody that you may know that it would touch their heart so that you can share this with them. So I'm going to open again in prayer. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your spirit and your goodness. Thank you for your perfect plans and your perfect peace that transcends understanding. We thank you for the word made flesh, our Christ and our King, and the privilege to study the scriptures. We pray to know you more. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So again, today we're in the book of James. So the title of the sermon is Unity, Peace, and Faith at Home. Um, and I'm going to share first a little place from vulnerability. I always like to share kind of in context of who I am and why this kind of spoke to me, uh, why this really spoke to me. But I also approach it with trembling. Um, I'm still a daughter who is learning much every day. And it's by his word and his word alone that I seek Jesus, that I seek to know him more. And today we're going to look specifically at the wisdom of God. Amen. And what he has to say about our walk as believers who carry his spirit in our homes and in our hearts. So um, it's pretty timely that Pastor Josh, if you were here last week, he spoke on domestic violence in last week's sermon, which was a pretty deep subject. But you see, I was a victim of domestic violence at a very early age. I was in a relationship for over three years, ages 17 through 20, when my ex, um, unfortunately, was physically violent and abusive. But today I want to actually talk about the verbal and mental abuse. Um, that those years planted in my soul and in my life. See, they planted a bitter seed. And the trauma and the terror of those many, many words, they really just kind of got planted in my mind and soul. And there was um, name-calling. There was angry outbursts. Um, there are things that were just all too common in those years. So this season of my life planted curses, that's kind of where we're going to be going this morning, the curse of words that were said over me, to me, about me, and all of this come, coming from somebody that loved me. So it was a difficult time. And I also want to say that um, we have to remember that name-calling, as much as this is probably a little bit deep in my story, it's something that we're all familiar with. I think we've all been either on the receiving end of name-calling and angry outbursts, and unfortunately, we may even be the people who have dished it out at some point. Now, don't get me wrong. I was a filthy sinner at this time. I was not saved yet, and I was struggling in life, as we all do. But being saved is only something that God would do. He's the one that saved me, and he did save me. However, those curses, the words of men and women, they run deep in this world and into our soul. And they are part of the powers of the air that I will be talking about later in the message. So back to this abusive relationship. As I shared previously, out of this dark season also came an amazing thing, which is I was blessed with my first son, Joseph. He's right there. <laughs> 
I made a commitment to myself to take care of this precious son and to protect him from this life that I was living up to that point. And I did. So physically, he and I were out of harm's way. Um, I made a very difficult decision, and I left his birth father, and I worked my way to get an apartment in Pomona, and I, we were doing our thing. And by the time I was 21 and he was one, we were on our own. Um, it was us against the world, quite literally. And some wonderful things, like I mentioned in my last sermon, if you heard it, happened in the following four years after that. I graduated from UCLA. I met my next gift from God, which is my husband, Adam. We were saved at Calvary Chapel. We were married shortly thereafter. And now my Joseph was five years old. So married, my son is five, and we dove into life. We did all the things, right? We were adulting. We did all the American dream things. We got jobs. We bought houses. Not, not two houses. We bought one house, then the next house. We bought furniture. And um, from the outside, everything looked great. And it was. It was awesome. We had two more amazing sons, Benjamin and James. And we were just so thankful. God was so good. We were living the dream. And we settled into our next home and we, that we bought in Upland, which is we're currently living at right now. Um, and trust me, with the history that I had of that dark season, let me tell you, unity, peace, and faith was absolutely a goal that I wanted in my home. It was very important to me and in my heart. But it would take years of growth and maturity and giving my life back to Jesus and truly knowing him and the wisdom of his word in a real way this time that would get me to that unity, that would get me to that peace, that I would find a, just victory in living in. And that's what I'm going to be talking about today. I'm still working on it, guys. It's a moment-by-moment moment journey. I think we know deep down inside that even when we think we get there, we don't. And um, I, didn't, I shared this first service, so I'll share it again. Um, I got a new job this week. And I felt so exposed in the spirit because I'm like, wait, I'm mature about these things. And it just all came back, right? The insecurity, am I doing this right? I'll get to this in a second. But it's just, again, a moment-by-moment -moment journey. So enter the book of James, which we're all studying right now. It's an amazing book. I've read this book many times. It has been, as Pastor Josh says, a practical book. It is 100% truly walking the Christian life. But before I read this book and really read it for the first time, I'll share one more thing with you about my life. It was a pivotal moment in my walk with God. So fast forward, I'd been coming to Granite Creek for five years, over five years, and I was doing all the things again, Bible study, serving in women's ministry, amazing, wonderful fellowship, and I did not miss a Sunday. Maybe sometimes if I had to travel for work, but we were here. We were Creekers. But the more I pressed into serving God, the more spiritual warfare that I had going in my mind. Nobody could see it, just me and the powers of the air. And about four years ago, I was in a really dark place. And I was going through it pretty much by myself because everything was fine. Um, my mind was kind of a mess, but outside everything was great. And really the only person I was sharing things with was my husband, who I would share this and. No one else could get it. I mean, I didn't get it. Um, 
I also shared with Pastor Mako because she helped me with this journey that I'm going to tell you about next. So one day, uh, my customer, he, he sends me an email. and He's a Christian. He's just awesome. And he always sends me, like, encouraging prayers. And you all know those amazing Christians that always send the right thing at the right time. Well, he did. And this one was a video. He said, this is an amazing video. I want to share it with you. Um, it's a ministry I'm involved in. I think it's going to speak to you. So I opened that YouTube video, and a precious man of God, Pastor Timothy Davis, was speaking right to my heart as I pressed play. He said a number of things in this video, but the one that got me was, do you ever say things like, I'm not good enough, or I hate this part of me, or I hate this part of my life or my past? Basically, do you talk down to yourself? And at that moment, for me, I broke down and I cried because I realized that I was not only doing this in my head, but the Holy Spirit showed me that a number of times I was saying this out loud. My husband would attest to that. I would, you know, come to him and say, I wish I was a better mom. I'm not a good mom. I'm not doing this right. Am I doing this right? And that was out loud. I was saying these things. In my head, I was always warning about my past, my past sins, my past choices. And you see, I was still under the curse of words from the verbal and mental abuse that happened to me, along with the curses that I had put on myself since that time. So I went to this four-month seminar, and it was with Pastor Davis and his wife and his team and a bunch of us broken folks who wanted to get breakthrough. Um, and it was the best thing that ever happened to me. We dove into the word of God, and I looked at the law of God for the first time, the wisdom of God, as well as the reality of the demonic forces in this world. So to say that I was freed from my terror and darkness is an understatement. Surprisingly and with much delight, I understood that the word of God was powerful, and I saw new things with new eyes and a new heart. And I'm going to tell you that story right now. So first, let's dive into the word, amen? Let's get into um, James chapter 3. That's pretty much where we're going to park for a while. Um, and I hope that the context of my story, my personal testimony, helps open the hearts of those here. Somebody who may be going through this thing or has it in their past or, again, may know somebody that has gone through verbal abuse. Because a bitter word said to you is a curse said over you, and it needs to be broken. There is hope in the wisdom of God, and as believers, there is a mandate to follow this wisdom. So for me, as a believer, saved by grace, I knew Jesus as my Savior, but I did not know the wisdom of God for a long time. What does that mean? Do you know what the wisdom of God is? Do you really know it? What is the wisdom of God? Well, we're going to start digging in this. This is going to be James 3. Let's first read um, the scriptures about your tongue. This is James 3, 2, if you have your Bibles. For we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to also to br bridle his whole body. Now let's jump to verses 4 through 10. Look at the ships. Though they are so large and driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder. Wherever the will of the pilot directs, 
So we've got this giant ship, right? And even with strong winds and the sea, it's just a tiny little rudder that will make it go where the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire, and the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From that same mouth come blessings and cursing. My brothers and sisters, these things ought not to be so. Pastor Josh was right. This is a very practical and direct word. Amen? It cuts. It cuts, and it's the truth. So church, do we really get this? Do we understand the power of our words? The ones that we say about ourselves, the ones that we say about our loved ones, do we understand the power that our words have? I'll go back to these two extreme circumstances in my life. The words that my ex said to me were awful. Some so hard I could not repeat them here, not at church. And those wound and they injured my soul. And the enemy keeps those as weapons to hurt over and over again. And then we start saying stuff about ourselves. And most of the time we do it subconsciously. And when we have something as innocent as I struggle with fear, you can go to prayer with somebody and say that. But if you keep declaring that over yourself, that's a problem. Or I'm an idiot. Sometimes we have these things that we say about ourselves and it's like, eh, it's just a word. It's, it's not just a word. And we are declaring this over ourselves and others. And one of the things that the Holy Spirit showed me as I was working on my healing is that I was a nagging mama. Any nagging moms out there? It's a tough one, you guys. Um, my kids will tell you. Joseph and I were very similar. And we had many years of struggle. And I would be that nagging mom. And the Holy Spirit really just kind of checked me and said, you want unity, peace, and faith at home? You got to work on the snagging, mom. And it was hard. And I'll give you a couple of examples. I want to first say I, I plugged, I always have to do my Granite Creek commercial here because obviously I'm very invested in this church. But you guys, Pastor Mako and Josh, and I just don't really think they know it, how much they've invested into our life. Um, when Joseph was a teenager going to high school, just Mako would call him and text him and just adored him, and he, she still does. And Pastor Josh, one day, he came and was picking him up. And uh, I'm like, where are you going, Joseph? He's like, oh, I'm going to go to a Bible study at Chafee College with Pastor Josh. And I'm like, what? Because at the time, I was like, whoa, like, Pastor Josh, is, he is still a very big deal. But I just felt like, you better not say anything inappropriate, Joseph. You know, uh, it was amazing that he just put so much time into my kid and my kids. And, I mean, he was sleeping in a tent with Ben and James when they were, like, two and five, like, at our, like, summer camp. He's just an awesome pastor. So, okay, there's my, there's my Granite Creek commercial. Um, 
But we had a tough time. You know, he was my first kid. I was a young mom, and we fought a lot. <laughs> and so it was really the blowing up, putting him down, putting, you know, why are you doing this? Why are you disagreements? It just was not peace in our home. And I can tell you that it affected our whole family because that's who we were. And I want to say that gossip is another one. And I'll give you an example. What are we saying about our kids? The Holy Spirit really checked me on this. A lot of the times it's like that prayer. Oh, can we, can we pray? Can you pray for my son? And that's great. Pray about your son and then be obedient and do the thing, right, that the Holy Spirit is showing you that you prayed over it and broke it. But a lot of the times we'll go and we'll, we'll just start talking about our kids. Oh, I'm having trouble with my kid. My kid does this, 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 this. And we don't realize that we're actually contributing to gossip, right, in our own home, we can't do that. What about in our own life with our parents, with our grandparents, with our in-laws, right, with our neighbors, right? I mean, we can go down the list, but we know we're like, gossip, yeah, totally. That's a bad one. But we don't realize sometimes when we're asking for help, are we venting and gossiping or are we asking for help? It's important, you guys. So what are we saying about our neighbors? What are we saying about our community, right? What are we saying about our leaders, this is going to be a touchy one, but during the last year, I heard a lot of believers saying awful things about our government leaders on both sides. Let me be clear, on both sides. And that is not the wisdom of God. We plant a very negative seed in our soul when we come in agreement with the wisdom of the world. And those leaders, they are made in the image of God. So let's look at the rest of James, because I think he's going to clarify a couple more things on what that wisdom of God is. This is verses 13 through 15. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitterness, jealousy, and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above. It is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. That is the wisdom of the world, folks. The powers of the air. It's demonic. We speak in bitterness, rage, and selfish ambition, and we are coming in agreement with the enemy. Period. There's hope, though. It's coming. So let's read verses 17 through 18. But the wisdom from above, that's heavenly wisdom, the wisdom of above, is first pure, peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial, sincere, and a harvest of righteousness sown in peace by those who make peace. Right? Sermon on the Mount stuff. We all know this. Is this a hard word to hear, guys? It was for me. When I was going through this healing time and I was, Holy Spirit was showing me this stuff, it was very hard for me because I put my foot in my mouth a lot, a lot. And that goes on top of the stuff that's been said to me. So let me just say this. It's quite impossible to walk in God's wisdom without the helper with a capital H. That's the Holy Spirit, by the way. He, we cannot do it. We just cannot do it without Holy Spirit. And honestly, for me, it was quite overwhelming when I first read and had this revelation in the Word of God. 
I was like, oh, woe is me. I mean, you know, Isaiah 6, I am a man of unclean lips. I mean, that was me. I mean, that's real revelation when you get that, when you fall to your knees and you're like, I am a man. Well, I'm a woman. I am a woman of unclean lips. The prophets had that because they, when they saw the wisdom of God, they realized how engaged they were with the wisdom of the world, with demonic forces and the powers of the air. So for me, even though it was very overwhelming, I knew it was time to do business with God. So I repented of the things I had said over myself, over others. I prayed with others like Mako. I shared this. I didn't put it in my notes. But um, you had to have a dung friend, D-U-N-G, poop. You had a dung friend. It's from, it's from the book of Nehemiah, you guys. If you read the walls of Jerusalem, there's a dung gate. So we got to take the trash out. Amen. Got to take the trash out, and you got to have a dung friend, and you got to confess these things. The enemy doesn't want you to talk about that stuff because he knows the moment you start confessing, you start sharing, you start getting the breakthrough, he's losing his foothold. And Pastor Mako was my dung friend, and she's just an awesome dung friend to have. Hit her up sometime. So that was, um, for me, it was just praying with others, breaking the bondage of what was said to me, over me, about me, Um, but that is not where it stops. It's the beginning. I asked the Holy Spirit to show me when I was saying something wrong. And you know what he does? He'll tell you. He did. You see, walking in the wisdom of the God is a moment-by-moment discipline. Sometimes I'll get folks, um, this was, uh, I have a good friend. We pray every Saturday morning at 630, and she's like a landlord. And she's like, oh, my, my, one of my tenants is just really like being a jerk. I don't know what to do. And I was praying, and the Holy Spirit was like, tell her to be nice. And she hadn't said anything about what she'd done. But I said, hey, God's telling me for you to be nice. Is that, right? Is that like ringing any? Like, she's like, yeah, I was kind of mean to him too. See, it's so easy to understand that people are going to come at us. But it's the wisdom of God. It's not, it's not easy. It's the wisdom of God to just stop and Ask him, what do I do? He's going to say, be nice. It's hard, but it is simple. So again, walking in the wisdom of God is a moment-by-moment discipline. We cannot just say whatever we want. We cannot yell and be mean to a loved one. We cannot name-call someone made in the image of God. I mean, we can. We've all done it. But it will come with consequences. We cannot have peace and unity in our hearts and our homes if we're walking and talking in the wisdom of the world. That's how we become oppressed. We want to walk and talk like Jesus. It comes with the Holy Spirit disciplining us. And we can let him. So I know this is a heavy word, guys. I'm going to bring another part of scripture, scriptures to try and give it an eternal perspective. Um, in my opinion, this is a more important perspective. So Pastor Josh mentioned last week that this book of James is speaking to the individual. And that could not be, that's just so true. It could not be just more perfect. I loved when he said that. I I missed last week. I was in New York. And um, I was going to tell a story. But, man, we'd be here all day. It's so hard preaching. I don't know how Pastor Josh does it. I want to say a million things, you guys. It's so hard. Um, And, you know, I I was watching his message. And it's just so good. It is so to the individual. So if you know a little bit about the book of James, it was to the 12 tribes that were scattered among the nations in the first century church. The first church was Jewish. You know, they were all scattered among the nations. 
and they were being persecuted. They were gone after. They're like, what are you talking about? Going to the Gentile nations, spreading the good news. So the Gentiles didn't want to hear it. The Jews certainly were like, well, they're not ours anymore. They needed a practical book, and that's what this was. How to walk like a Christian. What to do in the face of this crisis. And it's so good. So what I'm going to do is kind of switch it, and we're going to look at the book of Ephesians. Why? Because this one is more of an audience, right? This is more, um, you know, instead of the 12 tribes going to the nations, this, the audience was the first church, okay? So instead of individual, now we're looking at as we're part of something, we're the church. And this is the church where, um, this is a, a practical letter. So let me kind of back up here. The book of Ephesians is pretty special because it's an epistle by Paul. But the little thing that's a little bit different is it was actually a letter to the church of Ephesus that is not corrective, meaning there's many epistles, there's many letters where it's a corrective letter, right? The book, the first and second Thessalonians, first and second Corinthians. Paul is like, stop doing this. This is why, right? And so we learn a lot of that. It's pretty harsh. Um, you can read a little bit more of this, but the book of Ephesians is institutional, meaning it is the ultimate statement of the church. It's a very special letter because if you want to know what the church is supposed to look like, that's the book of Ephesians. It starts with theology. The Father adopted us. The Son purchased us, and we are sealed by the Holy Spirit. That's chapter 1. Chapter 2 kind of talks about how we're filthy sinners, which we know. And then Paul moves to explain the eternal purposes of the church because when we're saved, something special happens, and this is chapter 3. So we're going from James 3 to Ephesians 3. This is verses 7 through 11. I became, this is Paul, I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace, given me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of God's people, this grace, his power, was given to me. What, why? What is it for? This is why it was given. To preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. That's the wisdom of God. And to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God, who created all things. His intent was that now, through the church, that's us, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus, our Lord. This is the eternal purpose of the church. We are living before an audience, God and the powers of the air. And we need to realize that what we say or don't say empowers or disarms demonic forces. So by preaching these unsearchable riches of Christ, we become the church and we must say it and display it. We must say it and display it. It disarms the powers of the air. When you preach it, the unsearchable riches of Christ, you are doing spiritual warfare. Amen? That is what it's for. So the eternal purpose of the church is to grow in maturity until the coming of our Lord Jesus. And how we display it to the powers of the air is how we disarm them. I'm going to give you a few instances of, on how to do that. But I want to back up. Some of you... If you're not getting what I'm doing here is 
it's more than about us, right? Paul had his thing too, right? He, he was a murderer. He was doing this, doing that. And he says, I was the least of these, but I am now intoxicated with the spirit of God and I'm preaching the gospel and I'm going to display the unsearchable riches. That's the eternal purposes of God. So we need to understand that in our home so we can go out and display it to the world. How do you do that? Here are some examples. When someone commits an injustice against you, you walk away in mercy and humility. I know that's not easy. When you feel envy bubbling up within you, you move against it with a spirit of generosity. When you put someone else before you, it disarms the powers of the air. They don't get it. It's the wisdom of God. They're like, what? You're supposed to get mad. When you lay your life down for others, that is the wisdom of the cross. So it's Pentecostal Sunday, and I want to read Acts 19. If you guys have your Bibles, turn to that. And the reason why I'm going to do this is because I'm going to give you an example of the first century church. That's what Acts is all about. Acts is about revival. And we all pray and worship we want revival. Do we want it, church? Do we want to walk in power and see the miracles of God? And we got to display that power, too. So this is um, Acts. This is, this is a, some really zealous folks wanting to do the miracles, do all the things. And they fail for a reason. So this is Acts 19, 13 through 16. Chapter 19, 13 through 16. Now, some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists also attempted to pronounce the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, I command you by the Jesus that Paul preaches. The seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish high priest, were doing this. And the evil spirit answered them, I know Jesus. I recognized Paul. But who are you? And then the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them, overpowered them all, and prevailed against them so that they ran out of that house naked and wounded. So you're like, what does that mean? Well, let me ask you. Are the demons intimidated by you? Are you saying things that are in agreement with them? Because then they're like, oh, cool, this... She's always talking negative stuff. He's always saying this or that. You're agreeing with them. Or are you disarming them? If demons are not intimidated by you, then you're irrelevant. And you are not walking in the eternal purposes of God. Harsh, right? I know. But we all do it, me included. This is why we have to align ourselves. We can know Jesus and not know the wisdom of God. We can know Jesus, and that's great for, you know, he loves us. But there's something bigger. Are we part of the eternal purpose of the church? Do we intimidate the powers of the air? Do we disarm them? Or do we come in agreement with them? Do we know the power that we carry in our words, church? They not only bring unity, peace, and faith into our homes, but into the eternal purpose of the church. It has to be a united bride before he comes. It's in scripture. It's not going to be any other way. It's not going to be a divided church. It's going to be a united church. 
So we'll give you some Proverbs here. These probably won't be on the screen, but Proverbs is a really great chapter. If you want to know wisdom, it's another very practical book that gives it to you straight up. So here's some straight up ones. Proverbs 15.1, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Proverbs 18.7, a fool's mouth is his destruction and his lips are a snare of his soul. Proverbs 20.20, whoever curses his father or his mother, his lamp will be put out in deep darkness. And the one that I always meditate on, this is, this is my um, inspiration to be careful in what I say, Matthew 12.36. But I say to you that for every idle word men may speak, they will give account of it on the day of judgment. Now, the good news is that there is life, because in that same book of Proverbs is a lot of helpful, helpful medicine to the soul, to your spirit, and to your mind. Proverbs 10.11 says, the mouth of the righteous is a well of life. Proverbs 12.14, a man will be satisfied with good by the fruit of his mouth. Proverbs 12.18, the tongue of the wise promotes health. Health, physical Mental, your soul, your home, the church. Proverbs 13.3, he who guards his mouth preserves his life. More time than not, the Holy Spirit is just like, just don't say anything. When I ask him, what do I do? Nothing, don't say anything, none of your business. Okay, thank you. It's so important, you guys. And I'm going to, I'm gonna, so again, the book of Ephesians, I mean, it's just an incredible book because it moves then four, five, and six into the practical stuff. That's the amazing thing about the book. Gives you theology, good theology. Gives you the purpose of the eternal church. And then it understands that we got to be practical in our daily life. It understands that because how can you be complete and mature if you don't get your home, right? If you don't get your home and your family. And I understand there's many of you who may have people who won't talk to you. We have that in our, in our lives. And we have to pray and we have to come together as a church and ask. We need to ask together with the elders of the church, with each other, where two or more agree Jesus is there with you. And there is power in that. And then there's the daily discipline of not doing it again and again and again, speaking life over those who've hurt you. So a couple other ones, um, Ephesians 6, 1 through 4. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, not when you're four or 14, Forever, when you're 44, 74, 84, honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Fathers and mothers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord, the wisdom of God. And then Ephesians 6.10. So I talked a little bit. I actually, I ended with Ephesians 6.10 the last time that I preached tonight. I, this is the one that I go to when I'm having a hard time aligning myself with the Holy Spirit. I mentioned earlier that I started a new job. And, you know, it's unbelievable. I mean, four weeks in, and I'm like, God does, I mean, God's not really doing a work. God's like, you already know this stuff. So open up that Bible, pray, whatever you need to do, don't go there. And it's just really interesting how easily we can be exposed. I all of a sudden felt like I wanted so bad to say, like, am I doing this right? Like, I wanted the, um, you know, the, the approval of man. Do I really need that? Do I need to say those things about myself? Do I need to dwell on it? Look, we all do it. I get it. I was doing, I've been doing it the last four weeks. Adam knows. 
And it's like, God is such a good God. He's like, you already know what to do. Let's get in this together. Holy Spirit's like, hang in there. You don't need man's approval. You asked if this was a good decision. I did. And you know what he told me? It's funny. I was like, God, should I take this job? And he's like, you know, if you take it or you don't take it, you're going to be okay. You know why? Because I'm still here. I'm still here. It's going to be tough. And you have an opportunity to witness to a lot of people, but it's going to be tough. And I'm still here. So, again, it's that obedience, that moment-by-moment journey. It doesn't ever get better or get easy or you graduate. You graduate when the day of the Lord comes and you're resurrected and you're like, wow, I get it now. But we get a little bit here. The unsearchable riches of Christ, the manifold wisdom of God, we have it right here. We can display it. So when you're having a hard time, Ephesians 6.10 is another good reminder. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his might and power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. It's the powers of the air, guys. It's not against flesh and blood. They are made in the image of Christ. You might think like, that filthy sinner, you love them? Yes, I do. I love them very much. And you can either display my wisdom or you don't. It's up to you to be the eternal purpose of the church. And Revelation twenty two seventeen is really my favorite because when we do become that bride, that spotless bride, the splendor of the church in full, that he will get. He's going to get it. God promised his son. This is what the church will say. The spirit and the bride say, come. Let him who hears say, come. Whoever is thirsty, let him come. And whoever wishes, let him take the free gift of water of life. Are we really saying, come, Lord Jesus? Are we really being that church? We can do it, guys. We are sealed with the Holy Spirit. And I want to invite you. I don't know. I don't see. There's Landon right there. He's so awesome. Um, when, as Landon comes up and we're going to kind of close in prayer, I just want to invite anybody who has something maybe that, you know what, I think I did have someone say bad things about me or I feel this heaviness, someone who rejected me. And there's a spirit of rejection, a spirit of just something that maybe somebody called you, something that's digging in you. I'm telling you right now, the first step is to just confess it and declare it and ask someone for prayer. And maybe it's you. Maybe you're like, I've been nagging for a long time, and I just realized it. God is so good. He wants to reveal the wisdom of God, and he wants you to step in it, in his word, so that you can be freed from that, and you can walk in the eternal purpose of God. And also have peace, unity, and faith in your home. So we'll, we'll close with a prayer I'm going to pray, and if anyone wants to come up, we always have people who will agree with you. That's the most important thing is when you have someone agree with you in this, the chains will break, guys. And it's the first step to healing. So, Father, we thank you as those who want to come up. Lord, we thank you in advance for the courage, for the courage of those who say, you know what, I've been living in this season for too long. I'm tired. My mind is tired. My flesh, it's tired. My soul, it's injured. And I'm going to say something and I'm going to release it. And I'm going to show the powers of the air that I have my God is mighty. My son, the, son, the Son of God, He purchased me. And I am sealed with the Holy Spirit. 
And for the, some of those of you who maybe you're wondering, am I saved? Please come up and just rededicate your life to Jesus. You can do that. You can do that. I had to do that. I was saved. But you know what? I went up again when I came to this church because I saw the wisdom of God. So come, the spirit and the bride say, come. Come and receive your healing today. Come and confess it. Come and declare it that you will not let the enemy have a foothold. And for those of you online, we love you. We are part of the church. There is no stopping us. God already promised. He has an eternal purpose. And we can step into that by simply saying, I need help, mighty helper with a capital H, Holy Spirit. He will help you. He will walk with you. He will talk with you. He will show you. He will show you how to walk in alignment with him. So Father, we thank you that your kingdom is here and it's coming. It's coming in power and glory. And we want you to come. The spirit and the bride say, come, come Lord Jesus. Make us a ready bride and make us that beautiful united bride that God the Father promised. We want to be ready. Prepare us. We thank you, Lord. We thank you. You are mighty King Jesus and we lift you up. You deserve a united bride. Help us, Holy Spirit, be one in Jesus' name.